Hello, world. Welcome to another week of Golf Subpar. Colt Nost and Drew Stoltz. Sleaze had quite the golf tournament this weekend. The Arnold Palmer Invitational. Bryson DeChambeau, the champ. Yeah, if you feel like the uh, Bryson train was slowing down heading into Augusta this year, go ahead and forget that. It is going to ramp back up into full speed ahead, I guess. Um, it'd been a while since we talked about Bryson, you know, like... I feel like last year leading up to the Masters, it was all Bryson talk. All It was his tournament to lose. We had Spieth on here. He even made that exact comment. Like, the pressure for him going into that into that Masters, I feel like, was unlike anything we'd seen since Tiger Woods, being it's like this guy or bust. And now it's kind of slowed down a little bit, and now I expect it to ramp well, it's all back. the way back up. I yeah. mean, the Masters is a month away, and I cannot wait. This thing is wide open. More wide open than I think it has been in the past. But, I mean, we mentioned – he put on a clinic. I mean, what he is doing with the – I mean, all the talk gets about his distance and everything, which he deserves because he's worked his ass off. And, I mean, some of these tee shots he hit last week, especially on number six, obviously the par five, having 57 yards for your second to a par five is kind of an advantage. Yeah, I played with Lee Westwood in the final round. What was it, 168-yard differential? I mean, clearly, you know, there's yeah. different angles being taken there, so it's amplified. But 168 yards, that's tough to come by. But all the attention gets drawn to to his distance and things like that. And I feel like – Anytime he wins, the conversation comes back to like distance. What do we got to do? Roll the ball back and things like that. But just a week ago, Colin Morikawa won at concession and nobody would be like, wow, wow, it's great. See, even guys that don't hit it crazy long can still win out here. But as soon as Bryson does something, you ramp it all the way back up. And it's not like he shot 20 under and won by nine. He had, a, he had shot 11 under and was toe to toe with Lee Westwood. Lee had every chance to win that golf tournament or at least take it to extra holes. And he didn't do it. So, I mean, you got to tip your cap to him. It's not like he's skirting the rules or, or no. taking it or gaming the system. He just worked hard as shit to try yeah. to get big and strong and faster. And he's done it and it's working. He does all the things I don't want to do. Yeah, work, exactly. Work hard and work out. Yeah. I'm out on that. But, I mean, obviously all the talks about the driver. But, I mean, the putter's what won him that last week. He makes a 50-footer on 11 for par, makes a clutch, what, six, seven-footer on 17, and then another one on 18 for the win. I mean, the putter's what got it done for him. Yeah, the driving gets all the attention. It's the same thing we said after he won at Wingfoot. We're like, oh, my God, look what he's doing. But meanwhile, he was only sixth in driving distance that week. He wasn't even the longest guy in the field. That's all they were talking about. We immediately go to Bryson proofing Augusta and what's he going to do around there. And then DJ wins that thing by a landslide, and no one says anything about DJ proofing the place. So it's just his distance is always going to get all the attention, you know, because of all the work he puts in, all the attention he gets on social media and things like that. But the, the rest of his game is so solid that, like, yeah, the driver helps. Of course it helps to hit it long and straight. But you don't win just by doing that. No, totally agree with you. I mean, that's a big-time win leading into a big-time tournament, the Players' Championship, and our picks are coming up in here, here in just a little bit. But, Slace, we have a national <laughs> treasure for everyone this week. The man, George Brett, is in the building. The only thing you might be better at than hitting a baseball is telling stories. It's He's a Hall of Fame baseball player. He's a triple inductee Hall of Fame storyteller. He's got some of the best in the world. And you don't got to do much to get the man going. I don't know what he does in the morning to get fired up, but whatever he is, I want some of it. He's got he a lot of energy. Some juice. He does. It is a blast. We're not going to waste any time getting, getting to George Brett. But before we do, a word from our official sponsor, Rockform. Sleaze, you and I both use them all the time. The best speakers in the business on the golf course. The best magnet I've ever seen. Things as strong as strong. It's strong, so strong as an ox. It's crazy. Strong as an but ox, mate. Unbelievable sound, waterproof. Uh, but by far the best thing, the battery life. Because how many times do we forget to charge our speakers? Every time. Every time. Basically every time. This one, five, six rounds, no problem. 
Just keep, keep indestructible going. too. The thing I, you drop it then on the concrete. Some of these other ones might break. You got to go get another one. Rock form can take a tick, take a licking and keep on ticking. I took it. I was rock forming this weekend. Used rock form on the golf course. Took it straight to the pickleball court. My two favorite things. Used it there. It has tons of juice left on it. It's the thing I, I use it for everything that I do outside. If I'm listening to music, it's rock form all day, every day. Yep. The party don't stop with rock form. Never. You got to go get you one. Go to rockform.com and enter code subpar for 25% off. That's R O K F O R M. Dot com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here he is, the beautiful George Brett on Golf Subpar. All right, do we have an all-time beauty with us here today? <laughs> the man's a World Series champion, 13-time MLB All-Star, Gold Glove winner, first ballot Hall of Famer. Basically, if there's an award in baseball, he has won it. George Brett is in the building. We've been waiting a long time. Well, I've been waiting longer. You have? I've been waiting. I've been trying. You, you and I have talked about this. You said, oh, we're going to do you first of the year. When you come out here, because I got a residence in Arizona, you said, yeah, when you get out there, we're going to do you. And we're going to do you. Did he say it just like no, that? How about this? We're going to get you on the air. Yes. Oh, and okay. then all of a sudden, you know, COVID's going on and all this stuff. And you got that big job now commentating. You're in and out of town. Can't get a hold of You're the guy. You're in and out of town. And, and you won't play golf with me because I'm not a plus two. But, uh, but then, then, and then the Phoenix Open comes in town, and I'm going, hey, well, you know, he said he was going to get me on. I bet you did 10 shows a day with all the tour players <laughs> that were in town, and I was just thrown back in the weeds. But this and is sure a very enough, special now, episode. But we sure enough, here before. we are now, where yeah. it's like no one's in town but me. <laughs> That's not I'm true. I'm the only guy in town. We are, we are Who so was excited. your last show? Who was your last show? Cody Ross, okay, who I yes. took you to play <laughs> play golf with, and you were so I upset. Kicked his ass. You were. Day. We kicked his. We ass. asked him right before me you. Me and Woodland, <laughs> yeah. me and Woodland, and Mike Yellick kicked you guys ass. No, you Pat did Perez. not. Yeah, we I don't did. believe. Oh, well, there's four of y'all versus two of us. No, that no, no. Fair. Cody Ross, you and Pat Perez at Silverleaf. We, I don't believe we it. We cleaned your clock. Gary's never won a money this game. This is going well. I love the way. Yeah. <laughs> we cleaned your clock. I remember I made an 80 foot putt on the first hole with Pat Perez's caddy reading it. And all of a sudden, Pat's going, wait a second, you're caddying for my team, not his team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But we'll, we'll get into that. I helped later. us one hole that day. Hey, that's 80 that's foot birdie putt on one. Three for two. Yeah. Here we go. All right. Well, <laughs> Tough to beat. Yeah, three for two. Congratulations. <laughs> three for a one. Yeah, exactly. But like you said, absolute legend. But let's go back to the beginning a little bit. Okay. Grew up three older brothers. I didn't know one of your brothers actually played in the major leagues as well, pitched oh, yeah. in the World Series. When he was 19 years 19. old. Right? Youngest pitcher ever to pitch in a incredible. World Series game. Still, to this day. To this day. My brother Ken was a tremendous athlete. Uh, maybe people out there, scouts, baseball scouts, and, and everything, they all say that he would have been, he's probably the best athlete they've ever seen because he was really good in football. Could have went to any college in the country as a football player and academic, too. He was the smart one Jesus. of the family. Yeah. That didn't pass and, down. And he had baseball scholarships up the gazoo. Yeah. Fourth player taken in the 1966 draft out of high school, and in 1967 was pitching in the World Series for the Boston Red Sox. How Damn. great is that? That's a nice resume. Yeah, that's pretty. How awesome. much older is he than you? Uh, let me see. I, we, yeah. were all, <laughs> we were all two and a half years Leap. apart. I'm the youngest of four boys because right now I'm 67. My brother, next brother, is 70. Kemmer would have been 72 if he was alive. He passed away years ago with a glioblastoma uh, brain tumor. And then that means my oldest brother's 74, and he's still alive. Okay. So we're all kind of two, two and a half years apart. Was the whole family crazy athletic? Yeah, they were all good. I mean, Kimmer was, an, uh, was a great student. My brother Bobby was a great student. John and I, my oldest brother and I, were not the good students. 
I think we were the tougher of the two or the four. You know, we, we could fend for ourselves. Uh, but my brother Ken was by far, by far a great athlete. All my brothers played professional baseball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, uh, my brother John was drafted by the Red Sox. This is a funny story. And uh, he was playing in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And they had a young shortstop out of high school. And he's playing with Carlton Fisk. Yeah. And my brother John was married. He already had a kid, you know. And and uh, he wasn't a prospect, but he was a, he was a decent player. And all of a sudden, this guy was getting on. Carlton Fisk was getting on this young shortstop who kept making a lot of airs. And my brother John had a party at his house. He had a bunch of people come over after a game. And... Um, and Carlton was giving this guy a lot of crap. Carlton was a number one pick by the Red Sox. So my brother John goes up to Carlton Fisk and says, hey, Carlton, just shut the fuck up. You know, we don't, we don't <laughs> want to hear that crap, you know? Carlton says, who the hell do you think you are? You're Ken Brady. He's, my brother John used to fight. He was a barroom brawler, and he's 70, what did I say he was, 74? He probably still would get in a fight in a bar in a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. <laughs> And, and, um, and next thing you know, they, they exchange words. And the next thing you know, my brother John punches them. They go over a table. Two days later, he was released. Yeah, so out. the lesson to be learned there, if you're like a 20th round draft pick, 30th round draft pick, and you beat the crap out of a number one, uh, <laughs> yeah. number one draft pick that year, you're gone. You're probably out of You're here. gone. Yeah. He was released the next day. Don't so, fuck with the franchise. Yeah, you, don't, yeah. you don't do that, especially Carlton Fisk, who – you know, I was in the Hall of Fame and yeah. had a great career. I played against them for, God, I played against Carlton or Carlton Fisk for 20 years. You played against them all. I played against a lot of good guys. What's that sibling rivalry growing up, though, when you got an athlete, like a family of athletes like that? You guys had to go to war, I would think. Well, uh, me and, me and uh, my brother John and my brother uh, Ken, they fought a lot. There were some fights. Um, John never and I never got in a fight. Ken and I never got in a fight. My brother Bobby and I would fight once in a while. But the oldest brother, John, and I were, like I said earlier, we were the most alike. So if any of the, my older other two brothers got on me, my brother, brother John would take care of it for me. I mean, he would just, <laughs> boom, and that was it. Yep. But it was, uh, he was a tough guy. I mean, he was a really, really nasty guy. Yeah. Well, you are just an absolute beauty. Well, There's I'm, no doubt about that. But I did hear you were, you played high school football as well. Right. And rumor has it you got demoted from quarter quarterback to defensive back. Mm. What? Well, wide that? receiver. Wide, oh, I was you, always a defensive back. Okay. Well, see, my sources. Played both ways. My played sources. Both ways. Yeah, back in the day when total thing. Men played were both men. ways, but I played both ways, and, and um, we had a really good team. Um, and I was starting quarterback. Uh, me and another guy kind of switched off, off and on. And um, I was starting quarterback, and then about the fourth game into it, into the season, all of a sudden at halftime, the coach comes in, Doug Minner comes in, and he says, Frank, you're starting. You're playing every play the second half of the game. George, you're going to go to slot back. Um, and after the game, he called me in, and, and uh, he says, uh, you know, I just – you throw too many interceptions. I mean, <laughs> That's you a good just reason. throw too many. All right, what else? What else you do I do? <laughs> too many. I mean, it's one of those things as a quarterback, you go back, and, and I, I – Thinking back, I really didn't know, okay, you have this one play, 222 rollout right, uh, uh, pass six. 
this guy goes out this way, this guy button hooks, this guy goes deep, and this guy trails. Oh, I didn't know where everybody was going to be. <laughs> That's a lot of shit so to remember. I would run up there, I'd roll out or something, and I'd be stand, sitting there looking, and I'd look at this guy, and I'd look at the next guy, and all of a sudden you can feel pressure. Yeah. Kind of like Patrick Mahomes this year in the Super Bowl. Mm. He felt pressure every time. And so I would just launch it where I thought somebody would be. <laughs> that guy's on my team. Those guys yeah. were never there. <laughs> Sounds but like you I, need better receivers. But I was a good – I was a really – I was all league two years in a row defensive back. You were stud. Yeah. No doubt about it. But you ended up getting drafted 29th out of high school. Yeah. Was there any thought of going to college at all, or was it just you knew you well, were Well, I would for... have loved to have gone to college, Colt, but there wasn't one college that wanted me. No way. Not one. I had How no, was that possible? I did not have a baseball scholarship. Oh, we need to talk I to I did not scouts. have a football scholarship. I obviously didn't have a basketball scholarship. Explain this to me, though. And I didn't have an academic scholarship, so there was no place for me to go. academics, I understand. Yeah, how does this work? Well, baseball back in 1971 wasn't that big. I remember we uh, trying to get into USC. USC had really good teams back mm-hmm. then. And, and Rod Dato, who was the coach, said, yeah, you have to go to junior college before you come here. You're not good enough to go play in, uh, at, at this level. Well, before they went to the College World Series that year, they had some scrimmages. And so they got a lot of the seniors from that area that they were interested in maybe giving a scholarship to. And so I was one of those guys. So one day we're playing at this park in Buena Buena Vista or someplace, I don't know, some stadium. And it was called Quigley Park. And we ended up winning. The high school guys beat USC two to one. Oh, wow. I hit a two-run home run off one of their starting pitchers, Randy Scarberry, and still didn't get offered a scholarship. How good is your memory? Now, the best <laughs> thing was amazing. <laughs> ridiculous, Ask honestly. me what I did last week. I can't <laughs> tell you. So then, so then my high school coach, you know, that's how you did it. Because they didn't have scouts going out. They didn't have all these tour teams going around, these uh, tournament teams, like they do now, these elite teams, you know, traveling around, and they go to Omaha, they go to... Cooperstown, they play every weekend and they're flying planes or, you know, taking whatever. And they play in front of college coaches and stuff. We didn't do that. I played at El Segundo High School and that's the only team I ever played for. So all of a sudden my senior year and and Bobby Winkles is the head coach at Arizona State. And they were always ranked number one or two. USC was always up there. And um, somebody sent Bobby Winkles a, a memo, hey, you know, they have this kid that's a shortstop at L.C. Gundo High School. His brother, it's in the genes, you know. Mm-hmm. You might want to be interested in him. And so somebody had told Bobby Winkles that I wouldn't make it. They had Alan Bannister playing shortstop then for them. All of a sudden, Bobby Winkles, with his, with his college success, he gets offered the head coaching job for the Chicago White Sox. This is like four years into my career. And I'll never forget, I've never met him before, and I walked up to him in batting practice, and I introduced myself to him. I said, Bobby, George, Brad, how you doing? Mm-hmm. You know, so we shake hands. And he goes, George, nice to meet you. And I said, I don't know if you remember this, but 1971, I graduated high school, and you told my high school football coach, or your people did, that I wasn't good enough to play at Arizona State. I've kept that in the back of my mind. And if I would have went to Arizona State, guess what? I wouldn't have already won a batting championship in the American League. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you. What do you say? Thank you. And you should have been fired years yeah. ago, by the yeah. way. You can't analyze talent for shit. But what goes around comes around, yeah. you know? And I just wanted to give him that little jab. That's all I wanted to do.
do. But when you got drafted, you, you spent a couple, or when you came out, you're 29th, you, you spent a couple years in the minor leagues. And then at 20 years old, you go into the bigs, you get called out by the Royals. Right. You're a 20 year old in a dugout, dugout full of grown men. What's that like as a 20 year old? Is well, there hazing and things like that? When I got drafted by Kansas City growing up in Los Angeles, I didn't know anything about Kansas City. I didn't know if it was Missouri or Kansas. <laughs> Guess what? They have Kansas City, Missouri, and Kansas. Yep. So I would have been right. It's tricky. You know, I would have been right. It's a tricky deal. And I live in on the Kansas City. Can I live in Kansas, but I live like two mile or a mile from Missouri. So I get there, but the greatest thing that happened that year was because it was a it was a new franchise. I was drafted in '71. The Royals didn't become a team until '69, so they didn't have 30, 40, 50 years of development of minor league players. You know, they had they only had two years to stockpile their minor leagues, mm -hmm. their minor league system. So it made it a little bit easier for me to advance. I always had good baseball knowledge. I knew, I knew where to be. I knew, um, I understood how to play the game. Maybe my fundamentals were a little off here or there. But um, if I would have signed, let's say I signed with the Baltimore Orioles and they had Brooks Robinson playing third base, where would I be? Mm. You know, I might not have never made it out of double A. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I had I had a chance to come up through an expansion team and, and they weren't going anywhere. So they gave me a chance. They gave me a chance and they built it as this blonde haired guy. My hair used to be blonde and now it's gray. But they, I was a blonde haired guy from Southern California. And it was a big deal in Kansas City. You know, what was your first thoughts when you stepped off the plane in Kansas City? What do you think? Well, I actually City? drove. I, I drove. Oh, a, oh, I Jesus. drove a 1969 Volkswagen bus. Um, of course, uh, that's, that was I was in Omaha, Nebraska, and and uh, and I remember uh, when when I uh, got called up, I got called up on the road. We were in Chicago, and then we went to Minnesota. Then we came home, and then I went back down to the minors. And then the season was over. They, I was a September call up, and so I drove my bus up to Kansas City, and uh, got a hotel room and just kind of lived there. But it was. To see that stadium, I mean, it's beautiful. It, it was beautiful then, and it really is beautiful now. They've done a lot of improvement, but it was, it's intimidating, you know? It really was. Sure. Is it tough as a 20-year-old to be in a dugout with guys that got kids and are old? Uh, you know, you can't yeah. even legally drink yet, and you're supposed to be, these are your teammates? Legally. You're probably, legally. Yeah, legally. legally. Yeah, yeah. You probably never had a beer yet, George. Yeah, you know? right. A guy like you. Well, they had beer in the locker room, and I wasn't <laughs> afraid to have one after a game. But, uh, no, it was, it was intimidating. You know, it would have been a lot more intimidating go into a team, let's say back then, uh, the Boston Red Sox, when you have Lomborg, Yaskrimski, you know, and all those guys. I mean, Kansas City, tell me one guy that was on the team in 73. You can't tell me one guy. George Brett. Yeah. Well, and I wasn't was playing every day. Yeah. I'd, my first year there, 73, I got 45 at-bats in a month and a half. Now, the next year, I, that was my yeah. first full year, but it was, it was eye-opening. And, and I think one of the things that helped me when I was like 14, 15 years old, my parents sent me to Boston to live with my brother, Ken. And he lived on, on Commonwealth Avenue. We lived right below Jim Lonborg. He could walk to Fenway Park. And so I'd walk to the park with him every day and I'd walk home with him every day and we'd stop off and I'm 15 years old and you know, we're going to these places, sit over here and they come over and give me a beer, you know. And, but I, I, I got a chance to see what it was like. It wasn't, I wasn't like, you know, I, I had experience. Of, I wasn't like a fish out of water. Yeah, you know, totally I, shocked, I had yeah. been there. I've seen it. I've seen locker rooms and stuff. So I felt pretty much at home. Yeah, and you kind of got, got off to a little bit of a slow start, and you credit Charlie Lau, who was your yeah. hitting coach, during the All-Star break in 74. 
we're kind of revamping your swing and teaching you a few things. Was it like a complete overhaul, or was yeah. it just a few things? So you, you get drafted 29th overall, <laughs> and then you completely overhaul your swing. Yeah, well, we didn't have – now they have minor league hitting hitting coordinators. Our minor league hitting coach back then was uh, Mickey Vernon, and he played with Ted Williams. And he would go to, like, Billings, Montana, where I started off, and then he'd go to San Jose for a week, then he'd go to Jacksonville, Florida for a week, and then he would go to Omaha, and then he'd go home for a month and then do the same thing. He never told us how to hit. He never said anything. Nowadays, the Royals and every major league team – they have film coordinators. They take film videos of everybody. They're trying to, you know, teach everybody from the first day they get in the organization to as in professional baseball. They're 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 studying your swing and they're trying to pick flaws out. I did it on my own, and everybody did back then did. And I got to the major leagues, and Charlie Lau just watched me for 200 at bats in 1974. I was hitting 200, and I'm getting ready to go to the minor leagues. I I feel it. Uh-huh. And he pulls me aside, and we had a, our last game in Cleveland. We went home for three days, and then we were going to Baltimore after the All-Star break. And he says, I want to sit next to you on the plane. He said, you know, I've been watching you for two months. You haven't made one adjustment. You're hitting 200. He said, what the hell are you thinking about? And I said, well, I don't know what adjustments to make. And he said, I've always just played. I've never had a hitting coach before. And he said, look, I, I, I think you can play. I'm the only coach on this team that thinks you can play. Oh, Why don't you meet me at the ballpark? Why don't you, and, and here's the difference. If I was in AAA, I'm making 800 a month. If I'm in the big leagues, I'm making 15,000 a year. I said, yeah, I'm, I'll do that. Uh-huh. You know, that was minimum salary back then. I think it was 14 or 15,000 a year. So we, did, we met at the stadium. We went over a lot of stuff on, the, on the Wednesday and uh, we had practice. Then we were flying to Baltimore. And we probably, you know, looked at pictures, and he had some film of some guys. And we talked about it. We went out and took some batting practice. He moved me off the plate. One of my boyhood, boyhood idols was Carl Yaskrensky. Triple crown winner in 1967. Well, guess who my brother pitched in the World Series for in 1967? The Boston Red Sox. Yeah. So Carl was like my favorite player. And he stood on the plate with his bat straight up in the air, you know, and had that mighty swing. Well, Charlie Lau said, you got to move off the plate, get your bat parallel to the ground. Where Does this make sense or what? If the ball's coming <laughs> yes, I'm at a an good, angle. I'm a good guy to ask, being the baseball yeah. expert so that I am. I'll tell you. the ball's coming at an angle like this. Yeah, flat. Flat. Yep. And you got your bat on the same plane. Right. Don't you think you could hit, you're going to hit it more often? I feel like that's Or a- if you got your bat up here like this, and now you got to get, and, and they tell you to swing down on the ball. So you're going to swing down on it. <laughs> yeah. So it was, it was the, first, the first thing he did was move me off the plate and got my bat on the same plane as the ball. After that, it was so freaking easy. It wasn't even funny. <laughs> I love that. It, it was so yeah, unbelievable. The hardest shit to do in all of sports is probably hit a baseball. And like oh, after that, it became. So yeah. basically, the but it was okay. I want to say it wasn't easy. It was easy. Easier. Easy. Yeah, I mean, you went on there. And then and then I kind of we we worked every day. Three o'clock on the road. Four o'clock at home. And we would take extra batting practice. And it just kept doing it and doing it and doing it. And the next thing you know, we set a goal. And this is the honest to God truth: to hit two fifty by the end of the year. Now I'm at 200 with 200 at bats. A month later, I'm at 250. Oh wow! And I ne- I'll never forget forget going in the dugout and saying, "Charlie, I can't believe we made our goal 250." He 
He said, fuck you, it's 260. I said, no, you said it was 250. <laughs> it's 260 now, bud. I got it to 292. Wow. With four games to go. We had a game in Kansas City, and then we were flying to Chicago for three days, and they fired Charlie Lau oh, that my. day. Why? He just created a monster. He was getting too much credit. He was getting too much credit for Haters. the turnaround, and the manager didn't like it. Raised your batting average so, 92 points. Yeah, so I mean, so uh, all of a sudden I go one for 11, end up hitting 282. I really believe that if he was there, I would have hit 300. Wow. But it, my security blanket was gone. Yeah, they yeah. take away the guy that created, yeah. uh, I mean, created just, you just, but just developed to, you. Just to, just to go in the locker room every day, see him talk. We would visit after every game, sitting up in his locker, my locker, Hal McCray's locker, and we would talk about what the pitcher was trying to do, what good at bats, you know. Why did you swing at this pitch? Yeah, you would have gone two for four instead of one for four if you would have, or you could have gone uh, two for three rather than two for four if you would have taken a walk, mm-hmm. you know. And that was his whole deal: don't strike out and accept walks. That was his whole idea, and and. Um, but, you know, then the next year, the, our manager, Jack McKeon, was fired. And Whitey Herzog became the manager. And, and Charlie knew that Jack wasn't going to be living long in this organization. So he took a job in the minor leagues. Sure enough, the next year, uh, Jack McKeon's fired. Whitey Herzog's the manager. First thing Whitey does, Charlie, you're back in the big leagues. <laughs> Get your ass back. Oh, my <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. Thank you, Charlie. Because the next two or three years, I just got I got more consistent. And I understood everything a little bit more, and it made it, made it you know, easier to made it easy. duplicate yeah. for, you know, I played 20 years in the big leagues. So, yeah. and, I, and I never changed a thing. And one of the greatest hitters to ever, to ever do it. But one thing that you've always told me is you always you, – you mentioned they have beers in the locker room, mm. in the clubhouse. After every game, you always went had a couple of beers. Never yeah. went home. I went home one time. One time? Before I what was the hell married, happened? I went one time. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I had the flu or something. Yeah. But, but <laughs> Maybe talk- I had the first case of COVID in 1991 or something. <laughs> I don't know what it was. But I went straight home after a game one time. But, I mean, you look at, like, even golf. You can compare it to golf now. Like, I always heard in the, in – Back in the older days, guys went to the bar afterwards, always had a couple Arnold of beers Palmer, after the Played right? cards, exactly. did whatever. They had Arnold fun. Palmer, I'd yeah. see Arnold Palmer when I lived in Palm Springs. He'd be at the Nest every night. Yes. Oh, what a at place. Wow. It's still what there and it's still, still weird. I was there a couple yeah. weeks ago. I had dinner there. Oh, I wow. Love, I, love I bet you could place. get us in there. Happy I bet hunting. Dodie. Dodie used to date. She owns the place now. She used yeah. to date my brother, Ken. That is you got to be dangerous in the nest. Yes. Oh, my God. But, oh, but Arnie was there every night, and we would go there during the Bob Hope and, and just kind of hang out. And it was uh, We were in awe. Oh, God, there's Arnie. There's so, Doug Sanders. There's, oh, uh, Doug Sanders. You know, oh, my God. <laughs> Miller Barber over there. Oh, uh, the great. X-Man. Yeah. yeah. So what was the routine after a game when you were playing in your heyday? Like, what would it do? All right, you finish the game, go to the locker room, have some beers. Then are you going out we'd and go doing the, stuff? We'd go in the locker room. We'd have some beers, talk about the game a little bit. Obviously, it was real quiet if we lost. It was really loud if we won. Everybody was having a good time. If we lost, there were always guys that, you know, felt responsible for it. And you always go over and sit, sit with them, give yeah. them a beer. Um, then the routine was to go sit in the sauna. I'd always sit in the sauna, and I'd, I had to ice my knees because I hurt my knees a lot. I had five major knee injuries or tore ligaments in my knee five times. So I had to ice them. So I would go in the sauna with a couple beers and ice my of knees. And I'd sweat. I just sweat out the two beers I drink. Yeah, so you're you even. Know. Yeah, so I mean. You're level. Already, it doesn't even count. You know, Kansas City in the summertime, it's so freaking oh, hot. Oh, my God. And we're playing on AstroTurf. Yeah. And that just wears your body down. So it was always good to go sit in something hot. 
So I'd go go in the sauna after every game, have a couple beers, and then ice my knees for like 10 minutes, and then shower. And there was always a place, uh, you know, a place in Kansas City. For a while, it was Westport. Then I kind of outgrew that. A lot of college kids would come home for the summer. All of a sudden, I didn't like that place. Then I'd go to the plaza, which is more of an upscale place, and and it's right next door. And uh, then I started going to a little place, a little family area called Brookside. And a buddy of mine owned a Mexican restaurant there. And I I bet the last two or three years I was single, I'd go there almost every night after a game. That's so awesome. That's how legends yeah. do it. Yeah. That doesn't exist, though, anymore, right? And people would know I'd go in there, but they, they, they became friends. Could you go out, though, and not be hassled like you were the biggest name in kansas city could you go out and have a night without well, without yeah, being pestered I mean, to the point there it's it's kansas city's different you know if it's la we don't have paparazzi we don't have any of that stuff um it's i don't go to malls but i'll never go to a mall to this smart day. i will never do that <laughs> um but i'm not worried about going to a restaurant or anything like that no, I go to the grocery store every day. You know me. I love to cook. Yes, you do. You're I a grill master. Well, I got, I got to go to the grocery store every day. To, I don't know what I'm cooking tomorrow. Uh, let me see. Tomorrow, what am I cooking? <laughs> I have no idea, but tomorrow I'll probably stop at AJ's on the way home yeah. and grab something and grill it. Well, as you should. Yeah. But, but you in think, Kansas City, I do that every day. Yeah, but you told me that part of the reason you stepped away from the game is because you didn't hang out with your teammates anymore because well, they all went home. I'm 40 years old. I was 40 years old when I retired. We had a lot of guys. Their fun, their their night of fun after a game was to go to their room, drink Diet Coke, they'd get pizzas, and they'd play golf Nintendo. That was their idea That's of wild. a good time. That, that's some wild shit. That's not shit. my idea of a good time. My idea of a good time was to go to some local pub, regardless of the city you're in. I mean, if you're in Milwaukee, we would go to... But I can't think of it. But in every city you had, yes, you had a spot. You had a spot that you would go, and and um, all of a sudden I'm going there with our manager Hal McCray, our hitting coach Lee May. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going with the coaches, yeah. and I really had nothing in common with my teammates. Nothing. Uh, they were all younger, and they just they just some. Of, don't get me wrong. I love playing with them, but I had nothing in common with them. So when you look at the league now, like the bigs now, are you glad that you played in the era that you yes. did and oh, not yes. playing right now, being that it's more just like a business? And it's it, just is, like, it is a business. Boom, boom, and, boom. And, and with social media, I mean, yeah. social media, I mean, I'd be in prison. Hey, I was about to say, <laughs> how long do you prison. think, how is your career different if social media existed when you were running around? Oh, I wouldn't even go out. I mean, I would be like a player now. I would be like a player. Yeah. I'd be afraid to go out. Yeah, everything's on film. I'd be afraid to get go out. I mean, it's not that I was a bad guy. I went out and had fun. Yeah, yeah, but, but now that fun, now that blasting. fun's on video, and yeah. you know, it's going to come back to bite you sometime. Oh, here's George Brett out drinking the night before a game. Yeah, which mm -hmm. is apparently frowned upon. You have till seven o'clock the next night to get it out of your system. Yeah. I mean, and you on. got a sauna, dude. I that could sleep. It up. I could sleep till noon. I could. Well, back then I'd sleep till about eleven. Oh. I sleep till about eleven every morning. I had no problem sleeping till eleven. 11. I should have played baseball. Home, you get home at two, two yeah. in the morning, two thirty. You sleep till eleven. Nine's plenty. You kind of wake up, you putz around the house a little bit, go out and have lunch about twelve thirty, and then uh, you go to the ballpark about two, two thirty in the afternoon. Get your work in, go to the training room, um, play a little cards with the boys. You know, it just depends. God, that just, sounds like the life. Yeah, it was good. This when when shit was cool back then. It's yeah. Same with every sport. It's not just baseball. I feel like all of them and now they're more just like a business. Like I got my manager, my fitness team, my nutritionist, everybody. Well, how about golf? They don't back do anything. In, how about golf back in the day? Mm -hmm. You know, Arnold Palmer, Jack Nicholson, those guys. They would go out and they'd have their caddy and you know they'd play golf. 
Well, nowadays, they got the guy that comes over and stretches them. They got their nutritionist. <laughs> Who are you talking about? <laughs> Woody, Woody, <laughs> Sherry. You, you no, told Gary, you're like, I'll stretch you for 2000 yeah, a day. Yeah, he's paying some guy 2000 bucks to stretch him for the week. I said, I'll stretch you for 1000 <laughs> Save you. Yeah. Yeah. Save you 25 grand. Hey, okay, do my... Do my Achilles. Okay, no. <laughs> now you do a hamstring. Okay, let's go get them. Pay me. That's it. Yeah, that'll be two That's grand. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is awesome. Oh, you got to cook the. Uh, I got to. I got to have my egg whites. What's an egg white? Oh, that's awesome. Have you ever had egg whites? I have, actually. I've never had it. I've had egg I, yellows. I, I made eggs today. I made me an egg sandwich with some uh, kielbasa, uh, some spicy kielbasa. I made an eggs uh, fried egg sandwich today with some kielbasa. And a little mayonnaise on there, and I threw some banana. You like peppers. your mayonnaise? Oh my god, it was so good, dude. This man can cook. <laughs> yeah, I've been, been told about. I've been, I know about your cooking. I've we'll heard you talking over. about it a we'll little bit. Yeah. Over. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's we'll special. But we gotta talk a little bit more about your baseball before we get into golf because okay. you had one of the greatest. I would careers rather ever. talk golf. We'll we'll get there, uh, we'll but I gotta ask golf. you this. Okay. One more baseball thing okay. because you know you have three thousand hits, three hundred homers, bat over three hundred. One of only four guys to ever do it. First ballot Hall of Famer. You got 98.2% of the votes. Yeah. What the hell did you do to the 1.8%? Yeah, who, who are well, these guys? <laughs> I don't know. But I mean, did I, you ever I, figure out who it was that didn't? No. No. Some people just don't vote for anybody. You know, I'm not going to vote for them the first year. That's what I was told. But I was told on January 5th I was going to get a phone call or I was not going to get a phone call. And they said, if you get the call, you usually get it between 10 and 10.30, your time. I said, okay, fine. I was up at five o'clock. I'm go down to my gym. This is my old. You were worried. You weren't going to. Yeah, get how could you, 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 you be worried about? You don't know. But I mean, you I really fight, know. I got a fight with a guy, one of our reporters in Kent, in uh, Anaheim one night. I mean, I punched him, punched him, and he's he's one of the guys voting. That's <laughs> what. Know? Well, there's, there's one. one. There's, there's one. one. <laughs> yeah, got it. <laughs> but it was like two thirty in the morning, yeah. and and I came home, and and he's and he's been writing bad shit about me, and I just you know you're an asshole. So I said something to him. I said, hey, is, is that your wife or is your wife back in Kansas City? And he got in my face a little bit, and I just kind of punched him. Yeah, it just happened. Just kind of punched I, him. And, and so guess what happened? I got up about 3 o'clock in the morning. The general manager's knocking on my door. Mm. Okay, come on. We got to go rectify this, bro. We got to yeah. go apologize. Yeah. That's <laughs> so incredible. So I did. But no, you don't know. So all of a sudden, it's like 11 o'clock, and there's no call. And I'm going, holy shit, maybe I didn't make it. Um, Robin Yount and I got, we both got 3,000 hits the same year, came up the same year, and retired the same year. I mean, I got 98 per, and I thought Robin was one of the best players I played against for a 20-year period. And he got 70, he got like 82%. Yeah. So you never know. That's crazy. But uh, the reason I got 98% is because when I played, I played with some emotion. I mean, you never saw me hit a ground ball to second baseman and jog to first. You never saw me hit a pop-up, throw my bat down, and and jog, you know, just jog. I mean, every time I hit the frickin' ball, I ran. Yeah. And every single I hit was a double in my mind. I would round the bases, and a lot of times I turned singles into doubles where the outfielder would kind of nonchalant it, you know, you know, just jog over there and go like this. And I'd see that, and I'd go, holy shit, this is a double. And I'd bust in the second base and slide safe, you know. I did that maybe 10 times a year for for 10 times a year for 20 years, that's 200 more doubles. And I think I'm fifth all-time in doubles in baseball. So why? Because yeah, I played the game hustle, hard. Yeah. I played the game hard and I played the game right. Yeah, and kids, that's, hustle. That's why, that's why I think I got 98% of the vote. That's awesome. And yeah. going in with Robin and Nolan Ryan, 
I mean, Nolan Ryan, I faced him. I did a documentary on him last week. They were in Kansas. They were here. And uh, they came over to the house in the backyard, and we filmed it. And I did not know this. I had more at-bats against Nolan Ryan than anybody else in baseball. Really? Oh, wow. How'd you do? Yeah. yeah what was the, what I was the lifetime career average? Bat, career batting average was like 270. Not only did I have the most at-bats, I had the most hits. Mm. Yeah, it's got to be one of the highest, I would think, against Nolan Ryan. Yeah, lifetime. But, and I wasn't the highest in strikeouts. Which is good. Yeah. Taking your own advice. Don't so, strike out and yeah, take walks. Don't strike out. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of strikeouts in the game these days. All right, kids. Yeah, hustle many. and also be one of the best hitters that ever played. And don't the game. strike out. That's the rule. Brilliant. All right, I'll don't give you I'll out. give you since you like you said you want to talk about golf, I'll give you a little hybrid baseball golf story here. All right. Okay. I need to know if this is true because I've it, you got a lot of stories that are legendary. This one's out there. I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard this. 1980 was the year you had an injury. I'll tell you the ankle. story. Tell you, the story. <laughs> you got it? Okay, there you go. That's it. 1980. Honestly, true story. Tell me if this Playing if, golf tell me with a guy real. named George Kimball, who was a writer for the Boston Globe, <laughs> and Scotty McGregor's in town. I played uh, high school with Scotty McGregor. He's playing for the Orioles. And we had a Saturday day game, and I had a home at Lake Quivira. And so afterwards, afterwards, we go out to the house, and I was going to grill something. And they said, let's go, let's go, uh, you know, let's go play a few holes. I said, fine. And I had like a like a splint on my ankle, and I'm walking, and we had a cooler or a beer, obviously. <laughs> and all of a sudden, I'm walking by like the third hole, and Scotty hits a ball, and, and I got my putter in my hand. And he says, hey, look out, four. I look up. I see the ball. This is an honest-to-God true story. I grab my putter. I swing at it, hit it right on the sweet spot of the putter. Wow. Honest-to-God true story. Yeah. He's probably, you know, 100 yards out. Ball flies and lands five feet from where he was standing. And this guy, George Kimball, I think was his name. And the one thing about George Kimball, he only had one eye. He had a glass eye. And he used to take it out all the time. <laughs> of course. Yeah, and, cool. well, Of course, if you got a yeah. glass eye, you take, you it, take out. it out as often as you can. And I swore to God, he was there and he went, oh my God, that's why you're hitting 400. Yep. If you could hit a golf ball in the air back to, you know, it was five feet from where they hit it from. I mean, it was, it was, it's hard to like, I, you know what? I, I miss a putt. I pick up my ball and I want to, yeah, on the green. I miss it every time. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's hard to, it's hard to putter click Perfect. one when you throw it up and swing yeah. at it. Like people yeah. miss that all and the time. And this one was coming from like, I was told like 100, 150 yards. And someone said four in the air and you, you picked it up and had your putter in your hand and just turned and hit it yeah. literally to where they were standing. Right. It was, it was the, so that's was real. The strangest, that's the real story. Holy shit. Story. I thought that was going to be that one of the fake awesome. ones. You got a ton I of can't these. Even, you know, when you guys are on the range or you're by the putting thing and you pick up the ball and you kind of bang, bang, bang. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I still can't do that. I was, well, I was practicing today. I can't do it. We'll teach you. Well, I was we in can't my hit backyard one. doing that today. <laughs> we can't hit the middle of the putter face with a ball flying <laughs> from 120, <laughs> so true. you're all right. But as we mentioned earlier, you pretty much achieved everything there was to achieve in baseball, MVP, batting title, gold glove, World Series. But I've heard you say baseball, nothing in baseball is your greatest sporting achievement ever. Right. What is your greatest sporting achievement in the life of George? Well, Brett? it was a Christmas card back about three <laughs> years ago, and and I I qualified to get into the Mission Hills Country Club Golf Championship. There's some good players there. There's the some golf championship. Really good players. Yeah, to see who was the club champ. Yeah. And the year before, I lost in the first round, and uh, to a guy named Mike Steyer. And so I qualified again because two or three people were out of town. They take the 16 lowest handicaps. I think I was a four then. Four, and so all these guys are gone. And so I get in. I'm the seventh, sixth, no, 15th seed out of 16. My first round is against Kevin Ward, who played number <laughs> one at KU ahead of Gary Woodland. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. He's a plus four handicap. I'm down two after two holes, and he and I are good friends, and we're and, and I'm riding with him in the cart, and I'm just bullshitting with him the whole time, and you know I know I'm gonna lose, and he's trying to get this thing. Next thing you know, we're even. Next thing you know, I'm up one. Next thing you know, I'm up two, and I'm sitting in the car. I'm starting to feel a cart. I'm feeling a little guilty. I'm going, God, this is unbelievable. <laughs> he hits that abound on 17. I beat him. Two and one. Night Two night. and one. And and you know what? It was like, oh my God, how the hell could George beat me in golf and match play? That's the a tough day, one for him to yeah. The next yeah. day, I play a guy named Brandon Buckley. I had five birdies, first 15 holes. Close him out. Next day, I play next. against Jigger, Joe, Jigger James. I play with him all the time. He beats me nine out of 10 times beat him on the 17th hole and I'm playing uh Brian Norton who just became I think he just won Seminoles National Mm -hmm. he's their club champion just recently and he's won the Coleman Cup there I'm playing him he's played in the U.S. Senior Open used to play on tour I'm two up after two oh boy here we go I par one he bogeys it I birdied two and now you know I'm like two up after like seven holes and then we're it's the best four rounds of golf I've ever played in my life. And I did it four days or, or three days in a row. Because on Saturday, we had to play 36. My wife's out of town. She's in Chicago with a bunch of her girlfriends. And she calls after, hey, how'd you do against Ordo? I beat him. There's no freaking way you beat Kevin Ward. <laughs> okay, I got Brandon Buckley, you know, tomorrow. She calls. I can't believe you beat Brandon Buckley and you beat Jigger. Now you got Brian Norton in the finals. Oh, my God. And she's excited. She's coming home that night. And so... I'm two up, and then next thing you know, we, well, I birdied 18 to shoot 70, to shoot even, and he picked, he conceded, he conceded. because you're was the putt- champ. He was putting for a six. He was putting for a six, <laughs> and I had a 15-foot putt for birdie. So, he just said, pick it up, champ. I started crying. That's in- this but, is in- but here's the, the passion you're speaking yeah, with right now but, is, but, is But incredible. here's the funny thing. <laughs> Out of bounds is left. It's Belinder. And the number one fairway is right, but we have all these trees. I just said, well, if I hit it out of bounds, I'm going to lose. I'm drilling it for the first fairway, and if it hits the trees, <laughs> I don't give a shit. Sure enough, it misses the trees, it rolls in, uh, in between these trees, and he hits it right down the middle. He's a little shorter than I am. His next shot, he hit a terrible second shot. It goes in a fairway bunker about 108 yards or 10, 110 yards from the green. And I shoot one under the tree limbs, and it goes up there 115 <laughs> yards to the green. Obviously a par five. Par five. Yeah. So, no, I'm, I'm outside him. I'm outside him. So I knock it up there out of the light rough, and I knock it about 15 feet below the hole. Easy putt. He's already hit out of the bunker, and he comes up short. He hits a beautiful chip shot. You know, it lands on my little plastic ball marker that I got stuck in the ground. <laughs> I swear to God, the ball, it's a little one, not a big one. People accuse me of going on Belinda and getting a manhole cover to put up my ball. That ball comes up, and it's going to end up being a foot away. And he's the one of the best putters I've ever, almost as good as you. Mm. Hits that marker, goes five feet in the air. Now, green's like this, and it's got a thing, and it's kind of like this. It goes to the back of the green. Because it hits so your ball marker. One, two, three short. He's four back here. He puts it outside where I am. He misses that putt. He turns and says, congratulations, champ. Oh, frick. I'm going to start crying now. Tell no, me. I have tears. 
And so that year at Christmas, my name's now in the men's locker room, and and um, <laughs> and we were there. My whole family was there. We we're dressed up for something. I'm in a. We're all in suits. All my all my three boys. My wife's in a gown, and I'm in a suit. I think what might have been a tuxedos. And so we take a picture there. And I'm going to cry. This is, I, this I swear is, to God. We've never had anybody this cry. Is not the best. No, no, so we take a picture and we're all pointing up there and it says Club Champ. <laughs> Look at him, On this the is... back of it. No, it was a picture of us. Oh, and then God. on the back of the card, it was we're all pointing up there. I swear to God, I'm crying. And it was, it was, it was. And no, my, no, my wife put this on the card. Greatest sporting or greatest accomplishment in sports ever. <laughs> oh my god! Every time oh I go sit god. there and have beers afterwards, I sit there and I just look you at stare. my name up there. <laughs> I and did it. I did it. It's been Sid McKnight. It's been Kevin Ward. Yep. You know, it's been all these guys. World Series, batting yeah. titles. I'm Fuck finally, no, I'm finally a success. My club champions. I need a beer to calm down. Yeah, you need to level out so, right now. Yeah, but the craziest thing is, I had teammates. <laughs> I had teammates that could pick me up. Yeah, that's Nobody fair. picked me up there. That is so. That's I, all I, you. I was the underdog four freaking matches in a row, and I outlasted them all. The miracle was, on grass. Yeah, it, the yeah, miracle on yeah, grass. Fuck that miracle on ice. Yeah, dude. No, that ain't nothing. <laughs> that wasn't an upset. 1980. Uh, holy yeah, beating shit. the Russians. I beat Kevin Ward and, and Brian Norton. That is awesome. It's unbelievable. You're a Hall of Famer, one of the best Michael hitters Arruzzioni in baseball. Michael would like trade that. places with me right now. <laughs> And that Brooks guy, what was that coach's name? Brooks? Herb Brooks. Herb Brooks? Yeah. He wasn't in the locker room giving me a speech before no, you the had match. To give I did it speech. on my own. Well, maybe your wife gave you a speech each well, night. I just said, hey, just try to make it respectable. Oh, my God. I feel like I just watched Rudy right yeah. now. I want to cry. Oh, Run through well, a brick wall. Well, stay on golf, obviously. You, okay. just, you just got back from a very special mm. trip. Yeah, it was awesome. Tell us all about it. And was this the first time? No, I played there four or five well, times. Well, tell the people where it was. Yeah, where was it? I got an invitation about two months ago to go play Augusta National uh, with a guy that I really don't know that well. He just bought into the Royals. And uh, and uh, you know, I've known him a little bit. And he says, yeah, I got a couple guys going down there, um, me and another guy, and we're going to play. Would you like to join us? I said, sure. And I didn't know what my role was going to be in spring training because of COVID. Mm -hmm. And – with COVID, I'm not really that involved this year. So usually I suit up every day, throw batting practice, hit fungo, sit in the dugout. But with the COVID and the, and the, and the guidelines that they want you to live by, it's just not going to work for me. So I said, sure, I, you own part of the Royals. If I'm involved in spring training, you got to get me. You're, you're my day pass, you know. Yeah. He said, don't worry about it. I'll take care of it. So we go down there. I, I meet him at the airport. The next thing he knows is G650 comes and picks us up at Scottsdale, Scottsdale As you Airport. Do. Tough it out, George. As which you was do. great. Which was great. We go to Sage Valley because uh, mm. they, they wanted to just uh, – they were going to leave like at 3, get a hotel room in Atlanta or in um, Augusta, and then just go over to the club at 11 when we were supposed to meet our member. I said, well, God, I'm a member of Sage Valley. Let's just go there. Let's leave at 1.00. We can have dinner. We can play the par three course. We can stay in the cabin and drive over in the morning. Perfect. So that's what we did. And uh, we get there and uh, met this wonderful man. His name's Walter Driver. Mm -hmm. He was on the last year's job was he was on the first tee announcing the players. So if you were there playing last year, he would have said, now on the first tee, Colt Nost. But I wasn't there. You weren't there. so And that's not there. what they say, but we'll just let it slide because okay. George Brett. Let's give a warm welcome to Four, please. <laughs> Four, please. George Brett now driving. Yeah. Is that what it is? Yes. 
So that was his job last year, but he was a wonderful guy. And so uh, we get there, we do the COVID test, the whole COVID test. And they let us in, all four of us in. So then we go have lunch. We're walking to the, we're eating outside. It's a beautiful day. I see Peyton Manning. He's a member. Yeah. Peyton Manning's a member. And he's got three country Western stars who... I've heard of, but I don't remember their names. Excuse me if you listen to this the show. Really a, this but, is upsetting but, me because I'm a big country star. Yeah, Probably the guy from Nationwide, I would have to think. Okay, what were Brad their Paisley? Yeah, who's that? Brad Paisley. Okay, that might have been him. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I'm hair. not that really might have been a, him. I don't know. Black-haired guy. I'm, yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm not really into country music. I mean, I like it, but I don't know any of, it, any of the people. So he's there, and so we teed off a couple groups after him. Then we see him at dinner, and then the next day we had breakfast. But it's... Whenever I get an opportunity to, to go there, I'm going. I mean, it's just no matter what you're doing. I'm yeah, going. I, I'm doing it. And I played golf years and years ago when my son was playing golf, or he was uh, living in Australia, and my wife and I went over two weeks to visit him. He was living in Melbourne, and so we had an opportunity, me and my son, to go play Royal Melbourne. And I played with a guy named Ian Scholes. I'll never forget this. And we had our little buggies, and we get there, and we go in, and we have to have a little pot pie first. And then we uh, went out, and we walked 18 holes. And um, then we went in, and he had a bottle of wine, which I would rather have a beer, which I let him know. And he had a <laughs> cup of coffee. And he said, coffee. I said, no, I'd rather really have, rather have another beer. <laughs> to make a long story short, then we grab some beers for me and Jackson. We drive back. We had a driver take us there. And I texted Ian Scholes, and this is so true about the game of golf. Never met him before. The nicest man you'll ever meet. Anybody, if you ever get to Australia, look up Ian Scholes. He's a wonderful host. And I texted him, and I didn't even think about it. I said, Ian, what a wonderful day I spent with you today. It's amazing about this great game of golf. We're strangers at four or at noon and friends for life. And that's what golf is. You know, if you, you, if you play four hours, you spend four hours, and you're both doing something that you enjoy. It's amazing how a friendship can, can accrue from that. You know what I mean? That's cool. And yeah. that's what I texted Walter Driver, too. Texted him. Did he text you back? Yeah. <laughs> Just checking. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, I love it. Yeah, golf's the he ulti- did, he ultimate did, unifier. It is. He did not say, expect an envelope in the mill from Augusta. Yeah. Well, what did he you did shoot not at Augusta? That. I shot 80 the first day and 78 on the second. That's solid. Which I liked. I, yeah. I was happy That's with it. That's good. What's your low out there? Uh, 77. Yeah. I shot 77 That's golfing. once. I birdied. Uh, we played 27 that day, and I birdied 12 both days. Or both go- times. Oh, which that's was, nice. And the first day we played it, I, I parted. The next day, there's a little wind in our face. So I said, I'm going to take one more. I fly it over. I took a seven iron, fly it over, hits in the ivy, rolls in the bunker on the downslope, and the pin's back. Dead. Three shots later, I'm still in the bunker because I was so afraid of hitting <laughs> in, in the, the water. water. Yeah. I'm going, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> come on. And finally, the fifth one goes in the water, and I said, give me a five because you can't take more than a five. And that's the dash. Oh, okay. That's fair. But I beat Tiger. Tiger got it. Tiger made it. That's right. He made it 10. A 10? Well, it helped that you picked up after five. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it might have been. But you know what? I, I played pretty good. The first day, I drove it right down the middle, knocked it 20 feet from the pin, three-putted. Mm. Was it? Was it? I mean, is it was is it the good greens shape? were fast. It was like it they don't was, need. To, we're gonna have an okay Masters oh in April. Yeah. Oh yeah, it, the greens are fast, and it was um, it was wonderful. Caddies were great. I mean, just the whole atmosphere is just. Yeah, have you played? 
I have not. You I've can. never even been on the ground. I'll get out of here. This year, I'll be, be my first time. Oh, my God. You know that good friend of ours, Gary Woodland? You know, he could take me. Yeah, he gets a few Jordan rounds. Jordan Spieth, take me. Nothing. Crickets. That's really, that shows you, you where Gary, you stand with a fellow. Gary can take a guest. Since he's qualified, there's like a there's a certain a weekend or something. You could go there you, you and play. Take, and you can bring someone. Yeah, Walter said he's played with uh, somebody. He takes I mean, him I introduced him to his, I introduced Gary to his wife. Yeah. I mean, maybe that could be a thank you note. Right. Or I don't show you, sure. yeah, sure you where you stand with a fellow. You By know the way, what I mean? When they we, get the free round and they don't they don't send the invite. Speaking about yeah. speaking of Gary, you know, we were watching the Super Bowl together this year and we don't right. need to talk about the Super Bowl. It wasn't the best for the no. Chiefs, but it's okay. You made it there again. Sure. It happens. But he missed the cut at Phoenix and we're sitting there talking, we're having a couple, and he kept going on on how he doesn't drink during tournaments. And you said, Gary, I'm tired of this. You gotta have some alcohol in your system when you play. Well, I mean, <laughs> what good advice. Like, the last few years he would come out here and you you've been with us. Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night. You know, he would go out and he would be with the boys having a good time, wouldn't he? Yeah. He came to my house Monday night of the thing, and uh, he said, What are you cooking? Because they're not supposed to go out to have dinner because of COVID. So we said, what are you cooking? So I said, well, I don't know. What do you want? I'll cook you anything you want. So we, I cooked him a steak. Or I think the next night we did fish. Or No, he doesn't no, eat fish. He doesn't fish. eat fish. fish. I think we did steak, and then we did pork or something, or I did something else. And um, and he didn't have one drop of alcohol. And I'm sitting there, you know, having my beers. I'm having my wine. My wife was not in town. She goes back and forth from here to Kansas City. So I think it was just the two of us. And, and you know, it was kind of boring. He was kind, kind of boring. boring. Gary, you heard it here Gary, first. You're boring. Yeah. yeah, he was kind George of boring. George thinks you're boring. I gave That's him good the pimento cheese dip that he loves. Yeah. I had that out for him. I think somebody, I don't forget, somebody else might have been over there. I don't know. But it was, um, you know, and then he misses the cut. He misses the cut. I'm going, maybe maybe the guy needs a little yeah, bracer. Your yeah. He needs a little bracer. <laughs> So I'll if you're a mental you, coach for Gary right now, you tell me you need to look, get, yeah, kick on, a couple tell, back a few come times. On, let's, just have, let's just go out and have a couple beers and one glass of wine. I'll tell you that, he, tonight. He I think told that's good me this. advice. This is how big a deal George Brett is in Kansas City, okay? Gary has his little boy Jackson, and the twin girls are born. Well, the the girls are over at the NIC or <laughs> and Gary's going over to see Gabby at the hospital. And he's like, dude, it's Fort Knox around this joint. Like, I cannot get in. Like, the night before, they wouldn't even let me in. None of this. Gabby has to, like, tell them, like, let me in. He goes, I finally get in. And George's wife owns a flower shop right down the road from the hospital. Right, right. And that's where all three goes, of my kids were born. So all three okay. of my kids were born at this right. hospital. So you're a regular. He, he finally, yeah, Gary finally gets in. <laughs> the, the guy who has kids there right now finally gets in. All of a sudden he turns around and there's George talking to like eight nurses. <laughs> just, well, one he's of like, them how the hell did you get in? delivered my three kids. Hey, Gary, here's your kid. George just walks in. No, Colt, the one behind the glass delivered all three of my kids. It's incredible. She was a nurse on duty when yeah. all three of my kids are born there. But he was, She's going, George, hi, hey, how's Jackson doing and Robin doing? I'm going, oh, they're great. I got these flowers for Gary Woodland, my wife's flowers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, let me call up. Next thing you know, Gary's walking. How the hell did you get <laughs> Gary's getting his blood checked, his fingerprint. No, yeah. no, we're not sure about you. <laughs> Love that. That's so good. George, come on in here, bud. Yeah. Meet yeah. Gary's kid. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> oh, that's incredible. You want to do it? You, you want to hit a little E-9-er? I, mean, I would say, let's just tell the people, we've all heard the Bellagio shit in your pants yeah, story, God. which, I mean, we've all said it, so... Let's just, we're going to skip over that and get some other stuff. We want some new stuff from George. Okay. All right. Well, before we get to the emergency nine with our guy, George Brett, let us tell you about our new, newest sponsor, Austin Cocktails. Sleaze, we like to get, get amongst it. And this is the thing that helps us do that. This is get amongst it in a can, boys and girls, right here. As it says on the can, two cocktails in every can. And Colt, it's got a high ABV, which stands for alcohol 
by volume. That is and correct. And by the way, let me tell you how high, 12.5% alcohol. So you want to get amongst it, get yourself an Austin cocktail. None of those weak seltzers that got 5%. Those don't do anything to you. No, dude. If you want to get amongst it, this is two in one can. No more watered down drinks you paid $12 for and don't get anything out of. Get you an Austin cocktail. It's a double whammy. And obviously I like it because it's low carb. Of course, dude. It's easy on the body. You can still stay about that fitness. Exactly. But these things are taking off like crazy. They're, it's a perfect golf course drink. So you want to get a it on the golf course? Get yourself an Austin cocktail. Make your day even that much better. And now here's the E9 with George Brett. So we're going to go to the emergency nine, which is, I don't. I think you watched Kami's sure. episode. So you know the nine fun questions we do. So we're, I have yeah. never driven Uber. I might Uber. add in a bonus question. Maybe we'll I have E10. never driven Uber. I know you haven't. <laughs> but number one, we ask everybody, movie made about the life of George Brett. You can pick any actor, dead or alive, who's going to play you. You know, um, dead or alive, mm. I'd have to say Sir Sean Connery. Oh, that was one wow, of mine. Wow, really? That was one of mine that I was going to kind of I pick. Played He's golf a for smooth them. operator. I played oh, golf you did. with him and, uh, and uh, Lyford Key in the Bahamas a few times. I just love him. I hit it in the fucking bunker. <laughs> There you go. Perfect. So we each pick one for you as well. So, yeah. So, and, and then one time we get through. First time I ever played with him, I'm drinking a clique in the in the thing. And he orders a gin. And it's like 90 degrees in the Bahamas. He orders a gin straight up. And I'm going, Sean, why don't you put a little a little ice in there? Wouldn't it taste better? He says, George, the ice dilutes the gin. Hey, if James Bond tells you how to drink yeah, your I shit, you... Yeah. I, hey, no, he, he that's gospel. Guy. That is awesome. There's gospel. another guy, uh, God, out of Bradford or what's his name? I, I, I don't know. You're the one dude I, that's hard to pick for because, like, who's an actor as cool as you? Normally, we're like, all right, the, the guys are picking guys that okay, are way so cooler you got than one? them. I had a couple. I had John Wayne, I think, is a good one. Yeah. He's the ultimate cool guy. And then I had Kurt Russell, just from like an, from a baseball look, guy. looks perspective and from well, a baseball perspective. I had a baseball guy. And also, if you Google George Brett, there's a few pictures coming up with you on a horse. And I think this is a big compliment to you, Kevin Costner. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. he's baseball. Big baseball Yeah, guy. I'd say, yeah, that's a good I, one. I feel like that would work. Sir? Sir Sean, you're you're out. No, no, that was honestly one I thought, but I was like, you know, yeah, Sir really Sean's weird. out. Kevin Costner. No, both. I feel like you're a little Kevin more of a okay. dude than like like Sean Connery's cool. I'm he's start, he's you know, James Bond, this, but you're a dude. This uh, spring, I'm st- I've never started Yellowstone yet. Oh my oh, god, bud, dude, get yeah, ready. I got to do it. You're Real gonna call me after every episode and be like, I can't believe I. Yeah, makes me want to own a ranch, move to Montana. I know you're not gonna text me because kill people. You what? I said I know you're not gonna text me about Yellowstone. You're gonna call me because you don't really text. I, I'm. I would rather talk. I'm Avoid a, I'm technology, talk George. You're doing guy. it the right I way. Yeah. All right. Next question. Where do you think you rank all time in terms of most famous Georges? Well, my wife did a. We did an invitation at her flower shop about three years ago, and it was WWGD. What would George do? <laughs> And <laughs> and they had George Bush. They had and you That's one. It. Yeah. Another George Bush. They had George Jefferson from the Jeffersons. From the Je- yeah. yeah. And they had, I mean George Clooney. George Clooney's picture was on Who else it. Did I, uh, and basically what it was, it was an it was a men's night at the flower shop where you could come in and buy it would we would stay open. <laughs> we would stay open till like ten o'clock at night. And we had hors d'oeuvres, open bar, and it was a way for guys to come and go do Christmas shopping for your wife. It was a huge success. So, out of all the George Washington, I think George, George Washington's, Washington's in the mix. Was in there. George Curious. Lucas. 
Uh, Curious, Curious George. George, George <laughs> Plimpton. Remember him? Paper Lion. George. Uh, My, George Michael. I don't know who he is. The singer. George Michael. I don't know who right. he is. I think it's Michael. I don't know. That shows you that he's, he's not famous. So he's obviously you're obviously I know ahead Mike of him. Mills. Uh, famous Georges, I would say. You're in the mix. Top uh, 20. Top 20? Oh, easy. Yeah, there's some King Georges but and shit like that, yeah, too. Yeah, King George. Yeah. yeah. You're my favorite George. I like the fellas' night at the flower shop yeah, idea. That's a good, that's a good yeah. idea. What would George do? <laughs> and, and sure enough, it was he would go there, and my picture was the last one, and guys were showing up, and they're going... What a cool invitation. Yeah. Oh, George Foreman. I had George oh, there Foreman. You go. Yeah, the grill maybe George puts Foreman. him. Yeah. He's high. You're, you, you don't use He's in every You ever watch The Office? Of course. I, he, he's you remember when uh, when Michael burn his, uh, burn his foot on the George yes. Foreman because yeah. he was cooking bacon <laughs> when he yeah. went to turn? <laughs> it's the best. I love that you just brought that up. Yeah. Anyone watch The Office? Yeah, yeah shit. Oh, awesome. God. All right, number three. I know this really, you really love talking about this. So the amount of money baseball players make now mm-hmm. is just absolutely ridiculous. You got Mike Trout. I'm just going with some top hitters. Mike Trout, 37.7 million a year. Nolan Arenado, 35 million. <clears throat> Manny Machado, 32 million. Only Trout's the only guy that averages over 300 for his career. What would George Brett make if he put up those kind of numbers that you did? My numbers? Yes, you put up your numbers right now. Do you beat all those guys? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> what you- would your contract be? Well, they had a deal about four years ago. The, they had lawyers in Kansas City. They had, you know, a dinner or something like that. And they thought it would be fun to do an arbitration case. And this is four or five years ago. And, and they said, uh, I think I was asking for $32 million, and the club was offering 30 mm-hmm. I lost. <laughs> Hell, I'll take $30 million. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, right. I, I you would win. do it. Put it this way. I think if I was playing now, and this is this is kind of a funny line I heard one time in Scotland when I flew over there with Rush Limbaugh and he we pl- we played golf for like a week and and normally they come out the the customs people come out to the plane well they made us grab all our shit and walk to the terminal and Rush says to me as we're walking through he says oh so this is what the inside of a terminal looks like <laughs> <laughs> I said you son of a bitch. oh shit. you know awesome uh, but I think I I don't think I would be you know. Flying Southwest or American much if no, I was would. making that what type was, of money for five or six years. You yeah, know, think you, about that. I mean, Mike Trout signed, what, 14 years, 400 or yeah. something like that? I mean. I well, there was somebody who just signed a huge contract. Uh, Fernando Tatis Jr. Yeah. Did a big one. Yeah. 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 What What was the biggest contract you ever had? Mine was $3 million a year, but my last year I made eight because of. Other, other things, things. Yeah. other things. So three million dollars a year was three your... million versus thirty-five for guys that aren't batting three hundred career yeah. right now. That seems fair. Jesus, that might well, change your answer. From are you glad you played in your era? Well, no, I, I am. <laughs> I think we had more fun, and 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 the game is different now. I don't think the players enjoy it that much. That's fair. You can't put a price on fun. No, but can't. if I could, it'd be about thirty million a year. <laughs> <laughs> What's the most you ever made on your on your on the tour? On the course, in one year, it was like one point six. Yeah, nothing. And you never. You want to hear about my Jicky Jack career? Yeah. <laughs> I clipped a hundred a few times. Pretty big gear. Yeah, you got a fucking yeah. ball. Well, you can play. No, thanks, George. You can play. Appreciate you. Just rig system kept me from getting out there. Hey, you were this close. This, this close. This close. All the and there's time. something to yeah. be said for that. Yeah. All right. Next question. We didn't even get into this part. Which of your golf buddies is currently the furthest below the Mendoza line for their handicap? <laughs> we didn't okay, even get so into. So explain that to what what that means. Mendoza yeah, you should do it. Under two hundred. 
Fact, what do you mean under 200? Well, no, explain yet. the Mendoza line, I guess, well, for the, people that the, don't know. Well, I get credit for that from Chris Berman. Yeah. But I had heard it from numerous people. Chris had never heard it. Oh, so, so you didn't I was that. the one that told Chris about it. He goes, oh, my God, that's hilarious. And he gives me credit for that to this day. And it was Mendoza Mario line. Mendoza. It was Mario a shitty Mendoza, batter, right? He was a catcher. But he was a great right? fielder. No, right. he was shortstop. Shortstop. I'm sorry, shortstop. Yeah. yeah, he just, his career average was 200. So we somebody said the Mendoza line. I go, what's that? Well, that's if you're hitting below 200, you're under the Mendoza line. <laughs> you know? So I don't understand the question. It would be... Who's, I who's guess, shitty, who's the shittiest of your golf yeah. buddies? Yeah. Based on what they golfer? should be. Oh, my God. Uh... Oh, John Langbein. <laughs> oh, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> John Langbein. We all know John yeah, from Whisper Rock. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a John, good answer. John's got the Grand Slam out here, though. He's a member of Whisper Rock, Silver Leaf, Scottsdale National, and Paradise Valley. You got to have them all. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, they might be busy. He might not know what a terminal looks like either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all right, next question. We mentioned you, you were a bachelor throughout your whole Major League right. Baseball career for the most part. Do you believe in your mind that Derek, you were Derek Jeter's idol? Because he kind of lived the same life you did. No, Derek Jeter never never heard of George Brett. That's not true. I, I don't know. I listened I to a deal where you went up and talked to him during the All-Star game. He had, I, he had I two talked lockers. to him. I, he had two lockers. I never got two lockers. <laughs> <laughs> I had three lockers in Kansas City when I played there, but that was my locker room, 181 games a year. You know, when I would go to a visiting city, I would always have one locker next to me. And I think that goes by seniority, and I think it goes by how much you tip the clubby when you leave. Mm. And I always tried to be a good tipper. I always – one of the greatest compliments I got, I think, was when I was playing, they they did a deal in Sports Illustrated, the best tippers in baseball, and I was number one. Wow. Yeah. I heard it very interesting. But I didn't have to share my money with three kids, two dogs, and a wife. That's a good point. I lived alone. I lived yeah. alone. That's true. Dollar goes a long way when yeah. you're living alone. But Derek yeah. Jeter done it right. Yeah, he did it right. You yeah. both, I, I never know. gave parting gifts, though. I understand he gave parting <laughs> gifts. Oh, yeah. He gives what little, would you give a little flower gift? shop? Your yeah, flower yeah, shop. You should hit that up. That flower shop you well, got. the flower shop. Okay, let's see. What's, yeah, what's, what's the next question? What's the next one? All right, let's get off of this before we get in trouble. All right, next question. Have there ever been more females in a golf gallery than when you and Freddie Couples won the 1987 Pebble oh, Beach Pro? Oh, Freddie, I tell you what. What a chick magnet he was. Well, between the two of you, I don't think you were. He was happily married at the time, but I mean, women's. I think women are just mesmerized by Fred. I really do. I mean, he's I an amazing golfer. He's got the most beautiful swing I've ever. It's, I, I just love his swing. And oh, I, love yeah. his, I love his temperament. I love everything about him. I think guys love him. Girls love him. Yeah. I think the same could be said for you. Dudes look at you and like, oh, that's George Bratton. And I think chicks no, I might know. too. He's but the cool dude. Like, might have I mean, been the whole is. gallery He is, but it was, it was cool. I thought you were lying to me. So when I was at ATT, no, you sent I, I sent you a picture. I'm like, oh my God, you ever, this you ever played happen. up a pebble and seen yeah. my, my plaque? Yeah. Seen I, my plaque? I, I don't know that I took <laughs> notice of that, but I will next time. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. That was a... My plaque. It's not as big yeah, as a club championship, but it's a big deal. Yeah, it's etched in stone. The one up in Kansas City is etched in wood. Either Never way. going They're away. Great, Neither yeah. leaving. All right, next question. Since you're the world-famous George Brett, you've had the chance to experience all kinds of cool things, meet all kinds of cool people. Who's the coolest person you ever met being George Brett? I think all the presidents I met. I met them all um, from Nixon on. Met every that is cool. Since Richard Nixon. But I was hoping you would go with a guy you met in a restaurant in maybe, Palm Springs. Maybe a singer? Maybe the leader of a group that was based on rodents? Who's they that? have long tails with no hair? 
Maybe the rat. The, the, mamus, maybe the a most pack. famous Frank of all time. Maybe a rat. Fra- oh, Frank Sinatra. Hey. Frank Sinatra. I mean, yeah. this is an incredible story. How you Please met Frank tell Sinatra. Oh, right, and, um, oh, you want me to tell the story? Yes. yes okay. That's okay. what we're okay. getting to. Yes. So I have I have some friends of mine. Milton Richmond used to be the head sports writer for UPI and his brother, Arthur. And they were ne- neither of them ever got married until years later. And this is like 1981. It had to be the winter of 80. I'm living at Mission Hills Country Club where the girls play. I had a condo, and Freddie had one down the street. Couples, Johnny Bench had one here. Uh, Greg Twiggs had one. Uh, John Cook lived around the corner, but they gave us good perks for living there. And so these guys came in to visit, and they're really good friends of mine. And uh, let me see. Um, uh, Arthur brought Martha, and, and uh, um, Milton, who was the head sports writer for uh, UPI, God, I, like Carmelita or something like that, and uh, they're both dead. Okay, you know, I mean, it's so long ago, and they were and they were old back then. R.I.P. So, so we go to Skomas on Highway 111 one night. And it's Monday night, and these guys are in New York, and they've met Frank numerous times. So all of a sudden, we're sitting in the restaurant at Skomas, and it's Monday night, and there's a back room in the back, and and that's where Frank used to go watch Monday night football. So sure enough. Milton goes up and he says, hey, uh, is Frank here? Uh, uh, what do you mean, is Frank here? Yeah, Frank Sinatra. I'm a good friend of his. Well, we'll see if he's here. Tell him it's Milton Richmond. And Milton comes back and sits down. Sure enough, here comes Frank. Sits at our table. Has a little see-through in his hand, you know, and they introduce me to him, and he looks at me, and he's going, oh, yeah, the baseball player, yeah. Yeah, I've heard of you. And he says, Hey, let me ask you a question. I was watching the World Series this year, and that guy threw one right behind your head. Does that happen very often? And he, I said, well, it happens once in a while. And he says, well, if it ever gets out of hand, you let me know. I'll take care of it. <laughs> Swear to God. <laughs> oh, that is unbelievable. Oh, shit. That's yeah. so good. So Frank Sinatra. Frank Sinatra. Dude. Let me know. If it gets out of hand, yeah. I'll take care of it. What'd you say? Like, yeah, dude, I'd like I you to said, get well, on that. Yeah, it's just, it's kind of part of the game, Frank. But you know, if it gets, if you want to off a guy with the mob, then I'll let uh, Arthur so know. It. He can let Milton know, and then Milton, you can take care. So of Frank Sinatra's shit. got my back, so I'm yeah. good to go. So uh, I had that going for yeah, me. Yeah, that's perfect. Yo, that's when you know you've He's had a no good life. He's no longer with us, is he? No. no, I need no. you. I need you to kind of watch my back. Yeah, well, you're in trouble <laughs> yeah. then. Now that Frank's gone, yeah, oh, that's that's hilarious. when you know you've had a good life. When it's like, hey, who's the coolest guy you've ever met? And Frank Sinatra immediately doesn't come to your brain. Oh, yeah. You're like, oh yeah. yeah, by the way, I met. Yeah, Frank might be a good guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. Holy shit! All right, next question: Whose butt cheeks were clinched harder? You standing in the lobby of the Bellagio in Vegas, or Gary Woodland standing over his chip on the 71st at Pebble? Mine. <laughs> <laughs> I had Niagara Falls uh, ready to emerge, and, I, you know, he could. But what a shot that was. I think they were well, both pretty tight. Yeah, they were real tight. That is. But that, that shot, is, you had to But I beat. think mine were, I mean, I was frozen. I was Watch, frozen in time. Even watching your boy, though, hit that chip on the 71st, you had to be feeling the, feeling the nerves. What's he doing? Why are you doing yeah, this, gotta. Jerry? I was in my backyard doing ch- uh, chipping today. I almost took four teeth out of my dog's mouth, you know, <laughs> stole one because he loves to chase the ball. Yeah. And I'm, I'm hitting some flop shots. And I go like this. And all of a sudden, sometimes you just, and that ball, and I'm going, oh, my God. But Don't do that. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Number nine. You played a lot of golf with Gary Woodland. 
Y'all teamed up for a match in Kansas City before he went over to the British Open. <laughs> you were playing Mike Illig, and I can't remember the other guy's name, but it was a very close match. It was really close. And you get to 17, which is a very long hole, tough right. hole. Well, they, you, what they, they what they did is they put the tee box. They put the tee box. It wasn't on 17. They put it back on, like, number four. Mm-hmm. So it would really be long, you know. Now we got another 40, 50 yards to go. But they're trying because he's getting ready to go over and play. And they said, hey, we'll stretch it out for Gary. So we're playing the back tees. And all of a sudden, it's a, it's a little money game, not a big one. And he takes out a three-wood. And I'm going, what are you doing? <laughs> you can't hit a three-wood here. And he says, well, I just want to hit a, you know, hit one before I go over to play in the British Open. I said, fuck the British Open. We're trying, <laughs> we're trying to win today. <laughs> I got 50 bucks and, on and this. he started laughing so hard. <laughs> that is so awesome. Yeah. I love that you weren't happy. British Open? Yeah. We're trying to win this. Exactly. Yeah. That is so uh, good. Fuck the incredible. British Open. You have no chance over there, Woody. <laughs> <laughs> we got a chance to win today. That is awesome. Take this 50. It's going to be the most money you win yeah. in the next month. Oh, well, George, good. this has been a blast, my man. <laughs> Thank you so fun. much. I'm glad we finally got to our, Likewise. Our first tears on oh, Golf yeah. Subpar. Yeah. Hey, respect. That's going to go well, down in thank history. You. Thank you, George. You thank you, man. George. You're the yeah, best. Thanks for the couple beers. You got, got it. it, bud. That was awesome. <laughs> All right. Well, that was the legend, George Brett. So, he's, like you said before, I mean, he brings some energy. He is a blast to sit and talk with. I mean, it's unbelievable. He, you could just turn him on and let him go for hours and hours. And we made a point to try – like, he's done a lot of podcasts and things like that. You can listen to a bunch of interviews. A lot of the stories are the same ones, getting re- regurgitated, and they should be because they're incredible stories, namely the poop-in-your-pants story. We didn't get into that. We tried to uncover – a few new ones in there, but I'm glad to hear that him verify the, I'd heard the story about a guy hitting into him on the green while he was on crutches and grabbing a putter and hitting it back. And I was like, no chance that's real. I thought it was just one of those, you know, folk tales out there, but turns out shit's real. Yeah. He is a beauty. Like you said, awesome storyteller. By the way, I, I feel like I needed to be in the George Brett era. Like the, the whole playing your game, going to the bar, having a few cocktails, enjoying life. That's what I needed. This whole going to the gym and shit, that's way overrated. Miss the old days where dudes yeah. used to, after golf, they sit down and play some cards and have some drinks and things like now. It's like to the gym, to my physio, to my therapist, to my mental coach, to all that stuff. It's just, it's totally changed. But man, that dude, he's all time. We need to get he and we need to get George and Kami in here at the same time. That'd and be just a cut it on and just let, uh, have a little story. We wouldn't session. even talk. I wouldn't have to. No, I wouldn't want to either. No, but I mean, what a life he's lived. I mean, just got back from Augusta National. You know, really good friends with Rush Limbaugh, um, who, who unfortunately passed away recently. But, I mean, George is just – he he's always in a good mood, it seems like. I just – I feel like I get happier when he's around. Yeah, I mean, he's a national treasure. If you find somebody that doesn't like being around George Brett, then that's a you problem. That's, that's a problem with that guy because he just lights up every single room he goes into and he just takes over, tells stories. He is a 10 of a dude and just uh, one of the best guys I have in here. And hopefully we can have him back yeah. again. And he doesn't like to lose, that's for sure, which he didn't, he didn't lose much in his career, but especially on the golf course. The Gary Woodland story, how Gary was trying to hit a three-wood <laughs> yeah. to get ready for next week. George didn't like that. Yeah, uh, forget the British Open, yeah. bud. Trying to win here today. Yeah. We're worried about this match in Kansas City right now. How, much, how about how much he loves golf to the fact that he's telling a story about winning his club championship, and he literally is going into tears. Like, hey, crier. what about all your batting titles and all the things? Like, oh, yeah, that was cool, too. But let me tell you about this round two matchup that I had <laughs> at, greatest at sports Mission Hills. Yeah. yeah, Greatest sports achievement. He was literally in tears right yeah. here. Unbelievable. Love him. Can't thank him enough for coming on. We are going to do it again with him for sure. But, Sleaze, it's time to get to the gambling, where we make everybody out there a lot of money, even though I sucked last week. Our one and done, I had Victor Hovland, and he kind of played like 
honestly, you on the weekend. Oh, very, that's, very, that's very hateful. Very, very hateful. <laughs> very, un, very, very, very unnecessary comment right there. I was very happy Thursday, Friday. He was sitting there t- tied for second going in the weekend and just shit the bed on the weekend. So Might have run out of juice. The guy's been playing a lot of golf and a lot of tough golf, too. I it it might have just been a, a matter of just running out of gas here before the finish line, which yep. – which happens. Bayhill got the, the best. Bayhill got the best of them on the weekend. But producer Mark, can you give us an update on the standings? Yeah. So uh, Sleaze had Matthew Fitzpatrick, who heading into Sunday almost made him a lot more money. Still good enough for a T10, one hundred and ninety-five thousand three hundred dollars, compared to Victor Hovland, who made just enough scratch to keep you in the lead. He made twenty-two thousand eight thirty-two. Your lead is now seventeen thousand dollars eight hundred twenty-one. Headed into the players. Snuggy, Victor. I'm not happy with you. Snuggy. I know you. Li- I know you listen to this. I'm not happy. You owe me an apology. But huh? this week, Slees, the Players Championship. That's just the players now. It's not even the championship. It's just the players. The players. One of the. This is the one that Matt. This is the big dog of all big dogs. So one point six something for winning. Uh, no, two point seven. But sorry, excuse me, two point <laughs> six something for yeah. winning. Yeah, yeah, fifteen just million dollar purse say. at the players. No big deal. On one of the coolest golf courses in the world, in my opinion. This is my favorite tournament. It was to play and also to watch. I think this golf course doesn't get the respect it deserves. It's one of those ones, I know we talk about it all the time, where anyone can win, and we love that. Like, you, you see guys who have won in the past. Justin Leonard, Fred Funk, Tim Clark, Phil Mickelson, Tiger Woods, Hendrick Stinson, Adam Scott. Like, it, anyone. Yeah, you can't put a, you can't put your finger on one. Th- you can be a short guy win around here. You can be a long guy win around here. It's It just kind of takes everything. And you got sure as hell got to be able to close coming down 17, 18. It's one of the most fun tournaments to watch. And, Big dollars on the line this week, so this one this one matters. This yeah, and it's really matters. cool too. I love the Players Week as well because across the bottom on Golf Channel when it's doing all the stats, it says course record. My name. I, my, I was my wondering name when, how long there. it would take for you to squeeze that in. It I won all bets with all, all takers there. out there. No so. big deal. You I know just, who shot lower than me at the Players? I just no got one. richer. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. Well, let's get to it. You got the honor. I this do. is a big one. I'm I'm nervous. I actually still don't know who I'm picking. There's a lot of good options out there. A lot of guys playing well. <laughs> I, I went away golf. from my no research philosophy that I've been using lately, although I am on a nice little cut streak made here. But I had to do one for this week. Too big of money. I'll let you. I'll let you be able to pick who I'm who I'm going with here off, off the stats. All right, 2018 champ. Well, that tells me right there. You know it. <laughs> Hasn't played a ton this calendar year actually, but he's got two top sixes in his last three starts, and I feel like this is a guy I have to pick because if I don't pick him and he goes and plays well, and I had the chance to get him. I'm going to kick myself because there's a lot of shiny toys out there right now. A lot of guys playing well. A lot of new guys coming in that maybe haven't played there before that you can pick. But I'm going with old trusty Webb Simpson coming Mm. at 20 to 1, 22 to 1, depending on your book. So he's right there. He's like the sixth or seventh betting favorite. Got to go with Webb. I just feel like you know what you're going to get with Webb. It's probably going to be a pretty damn good week, and he might win. Uh, I got to go with a, with a, a guy I'm just confident it's not going to shit the bed, and that's Webb. I mean, he's he's a stud. Loves that place. He's just – it's. do you save him for Greensboro that, at the that, end of the year? That's another one. But I, I feel like this is the one – I mean, this is the this is big it, one. So, I don't know. You If you pick a winner this week, I mean, it's going to be pretty damn hard tough to sledding. catch you. Yeah. Tough sledding. All right, this is tough. Um, I'm obviously using a big dog. There's no doubt about course, that. It's yeah. a huge tournament. But this guy, he's, he's played two players' championships. He's got a second and a missed cut. Okay. So – Perfect. We're going to see what happens. I just think he is due to win a big one, and this is a big one. I'm going with the X-Man, Xander Shoffley. I just decided that. <laughs> I, I had three names in my head. I had no idea who I was going to go with. I decided to go with Xander. It pains me. Uh, this is, I mean, 
He just seems to play good every week. Why not do it with a $15 million person in the line? Yep. I love having Webb in my team this week, but any like, when Xander's on the other side, I feel like that's a week you got to duck. You mm-hmm. got to hopefully this ain't the week. I love this guy. And, and you're exactly right. He's due to win a big one, and it's coming inevitably sometime soon. Just maybe wait a week or two here, Xander. <laughs> maybe fire it off at Augusta once we both used you already. But, uh, yeah, that's a tough this one. This was to tough. I had, I had three guys in mind. I had Xander, Colin Morikawa, Patrick Cantley. Patrick okay. Cantley. Is a stud. Doesn't have the best record around there. Colin Morikawa's never even played the players because it got canceled last year. Yeah, he's going to be real popular this week. He is, too. and it, it, the golf course is perfect for him. But it just scares me. He's never been there. Yeah, I mean, I mean, he's played it, but he's never. Yeah, you got. I mean, I think experience goes a long way in go- in tournaments like this. So I think. I mean, but, shit, dude, you pick Xander at any golf course yeah. anywhere on the PJ Tour, and it's a good pick. I don't. But, I don't give it. But damn. saying experience helps. I, for my dark horse, I'm going with the guy who's never played never played the players as well. Will Zalatoris, sixty to one. I mean. Another top ten it's last all week. All about iron play at this place, in my opinion, and he's as good as they come. So, what's his odds? Sixty to one. Sixty to one. That's nice. Might sprinkle a little something. That's there. definitely worth a sprinkle. I'll go with another one that's worth a sprinkle. I got Daniel Berger at forty to one. I mean, plays great on Bermuda grass. Florida guy, obviously, was leading for a long time. Strokes gained tee to green since the COVID restart. I don't know where he stands in that right the second, but he just won at Pebble, yeah. so it can't be uh, too far down. I mean, I think at forty to one, that's definitely worth a, worth a play too. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I cannot wait for it to get started. One of the best weeks of the year on the PGA Tour. Well, that's going to do it for us this week. Sleaze, another awesome episode coming everyone's way next week. Boyd Summerhays will be in the building. You don't want to miss that. Everyone have a great week. We'll talk to you on next week's Golf Subpar. Subpar.